coffee. What is it about coffee that makes it so damn good? Maybe it's the smell of coffee brewing that brings back that new to recovery feeling that we got when we first stepped into a meeting. Maybe it's the idea of holding on to one of the only things that still works for kickstarting our day. Maybe it's the way it brings us together, another one of the many things we have in common. Whatever it is, we in the recovery community love our coffee. And why not? Coffee is fuel. Coffee is love. Coffee is life. That's what makes Brainwash Coffee the perfect partner for us here at the Other Side of Hell podcast. Not only is every flavor of Brainwash Coffee mastered and handcrafted by obsessive minds who won't stop until they've gotten it just right, but 50% of all coffee proceeds go back into the recovery community to help those who may still be suffering, which makes Brainwash Coffee a no-brainer. My personal favorite is the higher powder. It's dark, smoky, and rich, and gives me just enough kick to really get into my day. Right now, you can go to brainwashcoffeeco.com and use promo code OTHERSIDE for 20% off your coffee purchase. Clean your bean with Brainwash. We at the Other Side of Hell podcast are not therapists, doctors, or counselors. We're just two guys who have been through hell and come out the other side. Please be aware, we may talk about drinking and drugging in detail. Anyone struggling with addiction may find this triggering. Our goal is to share our stories, explore our struggles, and connect with others through our experience. Remember, we are not alone. There is hope, and together we can get better. What's up, world? I'm Willie. And I'm Cameron. And we're back again. Back in black, baby. For another fun episode of the Other Side of Hell podcast. Welcome. Yeah, it's good to see you. Good to see you. It's good to be yeah. seen. Yeah, it's nice to be in the studio, be here again. I love that you've made yourself available for this episode. Yeah, well, I try. <laughs> I know you did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been a good run, man. I can't believe we've been doing this for... It's been a sec. This many episodes in a row, and I just feel like I'm getting to know myself better and finding uh, opportunities to grow. It's, it's wonderful. It's we good just, to be here. just sort of keep doing it, don't we? Yeah. Got the... Got new stuff on the wall. Just, Why would we ever stop? Just chilling, chilling, chilling. So like a villain. Yeah. So it's good to be here. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, you know, I mentioned Cameron making himself available because I think we're gonna talk about making ourselves making available. ourselves available. Making yourself available. It's sort of important. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we used to be so fucking reclusive. You know, and, and hide out and self-centeredness, just, just like be unavailable emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially unavailable in all those areas. Drug addiction, alcoholism kind of took all the availability out of our lives. And, and it's it's appropriate that I say that because that's what happened with Will, who is our war story. Mm. Um, heroin kind of took it all away from him. You know, he gave it all up. He w- he was completely unavailable. And, you know, as you guys will get to listen to his story later on in the show, um, he's made himself extremely available to anyone suffering or trying to go through this process of recovery, such as we are. Yeah, so. I think it's important when we talk about making yourself available that we talk about making yourself available for what? Yeah. For, yeah, good point. What are we making ourselves available for? And and obviously, like, the, the, the main thing here would be making myself available to uh, another alcoholic or drug addict is, mm-hmm. is primarily what I'm talking about. 
making myself available for the process of recovery, making myself available, not just for other people's recovery, but for my own. Right. Yeah. Good point. I'm glad you said that because I think that that, that is one of the most important things and maybe the things that we see so often. And, and the thing is, is that they're one and the same, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, as, as, as my sobriety grows alongside someone else's sobriety, like when, when we're available for each other, uh, my sobriety grows through my availability to being available for other people, uh, you know, so that they can share their experience and I can grow from that and I can share mine and they can grow from that, you know, and I think that's primarily what we're trying to do here is just grow in this thing and solidify another day without going backwards. Yeah. Which is easier said than done sometimes. But I think that the, the, uh, the reason why it's so important that we make ourselves available is because if we don't, oftentimes we will move backwards. Yeah. Yeah. And I do. Yeah. Me too. I fucking do. Like, like not, I, I haven't gone back out and drank yet, but you know, I'll, I'll go backwards and I'll start reclusing hard. Mm-hmm. You know, this, mm-hmm. this last year and a half of the, the, with the fucking pandemic and meetings getting shut down and, you know, no, the service positions changing and, you know, just the way that everything's moved into the direction that it is fucking my, uh, my antisocial nature is just fucking reared its ugly head like no. a motherfucker. Sorry. Sorry. I'm cussing so much, mom. Um, my mom's asked me to not be a little more available with the F word, but oh. <laughs> who, we like your mom. So we're yeah. going to do our best to abide. Yeah. Who, you know, for you guys that have been um, following the show for a while, my mom is out of the hospital and, and, you know, back in somewhat normal living conditions and stuff like that. I don't know why it was, that just kind of popped up, but anyway, I think people want to know. Um, yeah. So thanks for all the support and that she's doing good kind of side rail squirrel squirrel moment there for you but <laughs> I, I think that that's necessary every once in a while uh, uh shows we're human yeah and especially so you making uh making myself available and growing and and all that stuff you know uh one of the one of the key principles of all this stuff in recovery you know is that willingness you know am i even willing right to make myself available because uh being reclusive is painful and like this is such a such a cunning and baffling fucking disease uh, that we have that uh, it'll convince me that you know I need some alone time and then I'll take that alone time and and that alone time will turn into fucking weeks on end of alone time and then I'll be like well I'm lonely yeah well <laughs> it tricks me another way yeah yeah well the, the thing is too is that you know. Willingness isn't always action. Like some, I mean, willingness in and of itself, I guess, is action, right? Like a lot of times I I implement this action of being willing um, and making myself available, but it doesn't always mean that I'm doing things. Sure. Like sometimes, you know, I, I will make myself available and people won't take me up on that, you know? Ooh, what do you do then? What happens to you then? Oh, well. <laughs> Is make you available for the fucking 
the the monster inside of your head yeah no i mean the, the i mean that's a good point like what do you do when when you've made yourself available i think we talked about this a little bit before the show started i think the key is not to get resentful um <laughs> oh yeah but you what know you? like i i do try and find a constructive use of that time you know um what it reminds me of is when Charlie was here uh-huh. and he just talked about how, you know, like he'll finally have these moments where, you know, there's nothing going on. He can finally just sort of relax and then somebody will ask him to do something and he's just like, fuck. <laughs> but he has to go through this process of like, well, you know, can I do it? Yeah. Is it can I afford to do it? Do I have the time to do it? Is it going to cause any harm to me or myself or my family? Like, okay, I'll do it. Okay, I'll do it. And, and the interesting thing that, uh, that I'll point out about that is at no point in time does he ask himself if he wants to do it. Yeah. Because that's, that doesn't really factor. I'd never want to do anything. Yeah, making yourself available doesn't necessarily mean you want to make yourself available. Right. right? Or helping others doesn't necessarily mean that you want to help others. No. Like, I'll say that. Like, um, you don't want to help me? No, oh. <laughs> never. No, listen, like, it, no, I know what you're saying. It, I mean, it comes back down to like my first initial instinct, right? Like, yeah, I never like my first initial instinct, like is usually something negative. It's usually the wrong thing. Like, of course, like somebody will ask me to do something and I'll be like, fuck, I don't want to do that. That's my first thought. I yeah. accept that as my first thought. I accept that that's going to be my first thought right and then i'll move past that thought and, and it's not like that's a thought that fucking weighs on you for two or three hours right, right? exactly like it's, it's like a super it may have early on but as we've gained you know some maturity and sobriety we learned that that's the first thought it doesn't last very long next right yeah yeah next it's important to move on from that yeah and then, you know, really engage in the action that I know is going to be beneficial to me and to others. Yeah. It w- which, you know, I mean, great point. You know, the, you used a perfect word right there, beneficial. You know, um, one of the things that I tend to do is downgrade or downplay uh, my amount of experience that I have in this arena. You know, I'll forget or I'll try to try to convince myself that I don't have anything to offer. Therefore, I don't need to make myself available. Mm. And one of the things that ends up happening when I do make myself available and I act on that availability when asked or when just even when the opportunity arises, because sometimes being available doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's going to ask you. It may be, you know, a situation that happens a lot in a meeting where a person will be sharing and, and I'll just feel this draw to go and approach that person after the meeting, mm. you know, or, or some, to some nature, some extent like that. And, uh, I'll go up and, and because I've made myself available to share openly or listen intently, um, I realize that I do have some experience in the recovery arena and that I'm doing better than I thought I was prior to, the moment of, of engaging with that other person. And so, you know, it's very beneficial to, to be available. Um, I try to be available or open to being available or willing to be available at all times. Yeah. Um, I, I'm very, very much attached to my sobriety 
<laughs> Very much. I hope so. Yeah. I'm, and, a, I'm attached to your sobriety too. <laughs> and so, so I don't want to do anything to mess this thing up. I do have a disease that's cunning, baffling, and powerful. And so sometimes that selfish nature will kick in and I'll think that I don't need to be available. But uh, usually the spiritual nature of this program overrides that selfish nature for me. And I'm pretty grateful for that. You know, I'm grateful for the program that I do run in my life. Yeah, it wasn't always that way, right? No. No. Like, And I, and I think that um, what, I, what I actually liked about what you said was that I'll start discrediting my own information or how much help I can actually be in order to justify not helping, in mm -hmm. order to sort of justify um, not being available. Yeah. And really, it's just like the disease working to keep me sick. Yeah. It's like, well, not only am I, you know, engaging in that negative thought pattern for myself, but it's also keeping me from taking any action about it and helping anybody yeah. um, in the process. And so, yeah, it's a surefire way for me to just continue living in the disease. And one thing that I always have to remember is it doesn't matter if they have 20 years and I have two months, two days, I guarantee that in that instance, if we have a conversation about recovery, there will be a mutual, like both parties will benefit mm -hmm. mutually. And, uh, and I think that early on it was so easy for me to discredit that. Yeah. It was so easy for me to just assume that, you know, that person that's engaging with me is doing so because they, you know, they feel bad for me. Yeah. Like they're not getting anything from it, but they, you know, they, they are just giving, they are just giving when really like there is some get on their end as well. And, um, and it took me a while to, to sort of see that and accept that mm -hmm. and, and understand that it's all a part of how this deal works. Yeah. It's all a part of the, the, um, recovery game. Um, which is I give and I get all in the same breath, mm. you know? And, uh, and so I've, I've got to make myself available because how else am I going to do that? Yeah. What are, so what are some of the ways that you make yourself available? Like what, what would you say that looks like? Cause for me, you know, like a service position, you know, mm -hmm. like taking on, because I know that you do have a, you hold a service position in your, your home group. Um, you know, uh, just, it can be something just as simple as like not immediately leaving after the meeting is over, like a, like an <laughs> AA meeting, you know, yeah. I, I mean, and, and I'm bad at that. Like, uh, you know, I'll it's, just, yeah. I'll just bounce, but it's like, sometimes I need to linger. I need to talk. I need to engage. I need to make myself available so that, you know, and, and so that when I do, I can talk to another alcoholic or give somebody an opportunity to come and ask me to maybe sponsor like, or, or anything, you know, um, it's just important that I make myself available in that instance and open those options for me to be of service. Yeah. It's, um, it's hard to be of service if you're not there, if you're just gone. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, so for me, that's, that's one way. Uh, the other is to fucking answer my phone when people call. 
fucking answer your phone. I mean, it's funny because I said that thinking about somebody else that was calling me. <laughs> but how many times do you and I play voicemail message like back but and forth? I, it's funny because a couple days ago I called you and you answered and I didn't know what to say. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I was just going to leave a message. Uh, 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 hey, hi. Hi. Um, I don't know what to say to you right now because you answered your phone. I've done that to you too. <laughs> and I think we've literally hung up the phone. I've been like, okay, I'm hanging up. Call me back. Yeah. And I'll just call back and then leave the message. Yeah. So, but I mean, it, keeping yourself available, it's super important, you know, and, and I appreciate, you know, like I said, we got this from, from Will's story because his availability, but you know, if people didn't make themselves available to me, early on mm. and, and even today, you know, um, I needed, I needed some of that, uh, other people availability so that I could, um, I don't know. I think like, I think the old timers know that there's going to be a certain level of, um, extortion with, with, uh, you know, your time and knowledge and wisdom and cigarettes and, Sure. You've gas and and things like that um, with the newcomer. And I think that's expected. And I think like for me, it's it's looked forward to like I I love being able to buy the coffee today. You know, I love being able to make myself available, you know, somewhat financially Mm -hmm. uh, because of, of the work that's been done on my sobriety. But, you know without those people making themselves available, I don't, I wouldn't be where I'm at. I'm sure, you know, Bill W and, uh, Dr. Bob wouldn't have made themselves available the way that they did. There's none of this 12 step stuff would be about, um, you know, making their homes available and all that shit, like a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, I was, I was just thinking, um, you know, I remember, I, I think that it's important when we talk about this that making yourself available to help somebody doesn't mean that you're making yourself available to be taken advantage of, right? So if I've agreed to meet with a newcomer um, and that newcomer keeps standing me up <laughs> over and over and over again, like that's not that's not a healthy use of my time. That's not a constructive use of my time. And I have in that instance, every right to let that individual know, like, this is not, yeah, this is not how I'm going to let you use my time. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that. Have you ever been that guy? Um, close. I think I've been close to being that guy and I've felt like that conversation was coming. Yeah. Um, but I've never, I've never been that guy. No, but I've heard it said yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. Like it, it, uh, and yeah, like it, it again goes back to like life on life's terms, right? Like I don't get to be late. I don't, I don't get to take advantage of your time like that. Like you're making yourself available. I'm the one that needs your help. I am willing to go to any length and that means that I should show up on time yeah. and respect that, you know? And, uh, and so, yeah, it makes sense to me. It all goes back to, to life on life's terms. And, and I have to respect that if you are making yourself available, that I take advantage of that in a way that respects your time. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that kind of stuff. I remember um, the first time I heard somebody talking about that, they, they called it being taken hostage. I'm not going to let this motherfucker take me hostage. Sure, sure. Time to go. I've, I've heard that said about meetings. Like people that come in and just start talking about... Puking all over yeah, the Yeah, their, their personal shit for however long. And it's like, you're not going to take this meeting hostage with stuff you should be sharing with your sponsor. Yeah. I like you that, know. too. I'm one of those guys. I'm one of those guys that'll let the, the newcomer talk the entire yeah, meeting. That drives me crazy. <laughs> that drives me absolutely insane. The whole thing. But, and, then, and then I usually don't talk to them after the meeting, so I don't know how well my, my uh, availability on that is. Just total transparency here, you know, not, not 100% on... You're a dick. On ways to do this stuff. But I do try to make myself available to the new guy because I want what I want them to have what I have, you know, or at least a taste of what this could do for them. Maybe not. Maybe having what I have isn't necessarily the the right thing for them, but having the opportunity to grow in sobriety and use some of these tools that worked for me is is the hope right by, by making myself available and being willing to share this stuff so well and we needed that early on like we were so hopeless that in those early days we needed hope like yeah. i needed to know that it could it could happen yeah so when i would talk to somebody that had however many days of sobriety and had achieved these great things you know outside of staying sober it was like Okay, like uh, maybe maybe I can do it, like, mm-hmm. and maybe it can be a really really good thing for me, like, because you know I think there was this notion that if I got sober that I would be sober, but I would be miserable. Yeah, and wouldn't you know, know how to have fun. I don't know how to have. Fun. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to have fun. I wouldn't know how to interact with people and. I mean, certainly I certainly can't date. Yeah. I wouldn't know how to do anything because yeah. everything revolved around it. Um, and so there was a lot of fear around that. And when I would talk to other people who had seen, like, I also had to talk to the people that had like 90 days and, and, you know, a year, I couldn't relate to the guy that had 20 years, you know, mm-hmm. Um, but I would talk to those people and be like, okay, it can be done. Yeah. And I would start hearing stories about things that they had done in sobriety and not like, oh, I started a business like, oh, I made, you know, all this money. It's like, no, I had to hear things like I got my license back. Yeah. I bought a vacuum. Yeah, exactly. I like your vacuum story (laughs) and shit like that to go. Oh, it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> like not only like is is the place that I am in so common amongst all of us alcoholics, but also there's hope. Yeah, cuz we are, right? We're 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 uh very tender early on, you know. Very sensitive. That's a good to, way to put it. To everything going on. I mean, we just came out of a fucking burning building, man, you know, which was our lives. Mm. Just fucking burning it to the ground, and, and here we are exposed. So, you know, one of the questions that, you know, we had up on the board was, like, how how available do we make ourselves, you know, and finding that 
finding that cutoff point. And you touched on it a little bit with with that, you know, not not allowing them to, uh, you know, not allowing someone to take advantage of us. Um, and I think that comes with time and experience, right? right? Like, like um, because... I know for me, like the first couple of sponsees that I ever had, like I, I, I was in that save them mode. Right. <laughs> so, Where you make yourself too available. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't helping them or me. And, and what came out of that was, was those people ended up on my four step. Right? <laughs> like yeah. Like, interesting. It, it begins a resentment. But then at the same time, like I can't, uh, I can't like, it's going to be inconvenient sometimes. I can't, um, mm-hmm can't expect it to always be yeah you know just work with your schedule right expect that you don't have anything that you'll have to move around to make it work yeah so so making yourself available is there's a there's a balance there just like or there's a balance everything's a balancing game you gotta balance this and balance that you know And, and i think it comes with experience and over time and some of this stuff you know i'll ebb and flow through it where There'll be times where, um, you know, I've I've lost connection with a sponsee who we did a lot of work together. Um, and then f- because I am an alcoholic, I've, I've done all this work and I still have that selfish nature inside of me. Um, I've spent all this time on them uh, initially, you know, and, and I think at the deep level, there is no expectation of getting anything back but at the alcoholic level there really is an expectation of like seeing something come out of that and then when that doesn't work out um regardless of how and how uh intent i am on not letting that affect me it does Mm. and then as that affects me like becoming jaded over the whole thing seems better than feeling sad about the the sponsorship breakup <laughs> that, that goes along with it or or the letdown of you know the availability that I put myself out there and, and it didn't work out as beneficial as I may have imagined even even though like I said even though I went into this whole thing uh, convincing myself that I have no expectations there's this underlying expectation that I'm going to feel better by doing this. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think there is that, you know, I just got to be a hundred percent. Honestly, I think there is that underlying expectation that if I make myself available and somebody utilizes it, it's going to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, and I, and I think that that's unfortunately we're sort of reaching outside of what we've been promised. The only thing that we're ever promised in that instance is that we'll stay sober. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, but staying sober is supposed to feel good. Well. All the time. No, that's not how it works. That's not my experience either. But I totally get what you're saying. Like, and I, and I think it does, it does come with time. Like it does. And I can I can just hear a sponsor saying this, you know, like when I try to explain why I'm resentful that the sponsee I have didn't do what I asked them to do <laughs> or that, you know, it didn't work out the way that I thought it would. It's like, well, you stayed sober, didn't you? 
Oh, fuck you. Yeah, it's <laughs> sober. Like, whatever, dude. Like, I would you know have what stayed I mean? sober anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking ego creeps up and shit. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's, man, like, okay, well, it turns out I'm still an alcoholic. Yeah. I still have work to do. And, you know, and in fucking A, he's right. Yeah, and we get we get to that that inventory at the end of the day, which sometimes I'm really good at doing, sometimes I'm not. Yeah. And he's right. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's right. In the end, I'm sober. I'm sober. Yeah. You know? And, and, and if I didn't have that, I wouldn't have anything. Yeah. I get another opportunity to be of service and work on acceptance and... <laughs> You know, all the things that go along with making yourself available to the newcomer. It's 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 kind of neat how this is kind of uh, how it's drifted into that service type being available mm-hmm. uh, in the rooms because um, you know we can only keep what we have by giving it away, and and we can only give it away by making ourselves available to give it away. Yeah, you know, yeah. period. So yeah, well, and and I think that. I think, too, that, uh, you know, on some sort of level, I always want to do the the easiest thing. Uh, uh, I'm an alcoholic, and so as an alcoholic, like, it's easy for me to get stuck in this mode where I want to do what's easy. And, And again, it comes back to that sort of first thought wrong sort of thinking where it's like, well... The easy thing for me to do is to immediately leave after this meeting. The easy thing for me to do is to not really engage in any conversation because they might ask me to do something. They might. And I don't want to do it. Yeah. But I don't get anything positive when I do the easy thing. Yeah. And and so, like, remembering that and just deciding that I'm going to move past it, like, in spite of that, is really all I yeah. can do sometimes. Like. No, I'm not going to leave. I'll just hang out. I'll just hang out for a sec, you know, talk to, talk to these old dudes. They're yeah. always old. And then, and then for me, you know, as I'm, I'm reminded that, that, so I'm reminded that, that my fucking head will try to convince me that I always never want to do any of this stuff. And then also that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. because a lot of times I do want to do this stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and by pushing through the times that I'm convincing myself that I don't want to and it's I'm doing the hard thing. It seems like by doing that, the next time it comes up, I'm I'm there like I'm present. I'm mm-hmm. I'm in the moment and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do want to chair this meeting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, I do want to. Uh, make myself available. I do want to be on this podcast. I do want to. I do want to meet with a sponsor. Meet with my sponsor. You know, I do, do want to meet with my sponsor. Or? Do my do my step work and I'm like wow, you know, and and it only it only comes through that repetition of, of doing both sides of the whole thing. Yeah, right? like I, I'm such a fucking extremist, bro. Like it's, <laughs> I, always, I always try to convince myself it's one way or the other. And it's simply, that's just not the, the case. You know, there's, there's times where I do things that I don't want to do because I know it's the right thing to do. There's times that I do things that are the right thing to do that I feel like doing. And I do them because I want to, there's times that I do things that, uh, I do things just because they need to be done. And, like all, yeah. all, all those, all those things have 
give no fucks about my feelings. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I, yeah, that, that is the, well, I was going to say all those things coexist simultaneously at the same time, yeah. but I like all those things. Don't give a fuck. <laughs> give no fucks about how I'm feeling. Again, because sorry, that's, mom. That's absolutely true, man. Like I, you know, like it, sometimes my feelings don't get, they don't, they don't earn a place in my action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Matter. Like it doesn't matter how I feel. Like I have to take action in spite of my feelings because dude, my feelings fucking got me drunk. Yeah. You know, and like, they will, they would again, yeah. given the opportunity. Oh yeah. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. I can feel that sometimes, you know? And I think that's the thing we learn is that, you know, like dude, yeah, you're allowed to feel that way. You're absolutely allowed to feel however you want to feel. But, you know, it doesn't always mean anything. <laughs> still got to go. Yeah, you still got to just do it. And, and then generally I feel better. Yeah, well, yeah. Like after, always. After being of service. I think I can maybe name like a handful of instances where I've gone into something and and, uh, well, I, I'm thinking specifically of a meeting where I've like gone to a meeting and gone, well, that was fucking weird. <laughs> Maybe like three or four times. Uh, yeah. Um, but for the majority of the times I always feel so much better than I did when I sat down. Why do, why do I want you to expand on that? Like, well, you know, uh, like you can just have like, like fucking like, weird meetings, like, like where people like get up in people's shit or drama and it's like what the hell is going on in this yeah. meeting oh, okay you know what i mean yeah like i i'm not speaking any foreign language or breaking any no. news right like no it's just, it just happens every once in a not while not always a hotbed of mental health I yeah say. exactly um but i seem to fit there i i seem to fit there and i'd say 90 percent of the time i feel so much better yeah. after a meeting you know yeah and, and and you know that's i think making yourself available to share at a meeting is is another thing because uh i never want to share at a meeting like i can't really yeah i don't i don't uh i don't particularly care for it and, and i really don't like um, people thanking me after the meeting, like it makes me so fucking uncomfortable, dude. Like, what uh, about it? I don't know. Like, really? like, what do you mean? What about it? Like the way because that it, it makes me feel? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you like it? Why is it uncomfortable? Um, I, I'm antisocial. Okay. You know? I don't. Uh, in the in the face of all this stuff, and, and it's the same thing with the podcast. When when people when I get positive feedback on the podcast, or, or we meet people for uh, war story that have watched the show, and and they give me uh, positive feedback or criticism, it's fucking uncomfortable for me, you know. But I've done I've done enough work that again, my feelings don't fucking matter. Ah, you know. It, so it's like shut the fuck up. But um, I is it because you don't believe it? No, that's usually I mean, my case. I mean, there's there's a there's a part of me in the dis-ease part of me that doesn't want to believe it, mm -hmm. right? There's there's that that part of my my fucking mental health that that wants to not believe that any of it's true so that I can revert back and eventually get to the point where a drink sounds better. You know, right, this thing right. is is really cunning. Um I I know that that the value I bring is authentic and it's true. And people do get some, some value out of what I share. 
However, it doesn't make it any easier. I still get really uncomfortable um, prior to sharing. You know, I'm, I think there's some fear that I'm going to sound stupid mm, or yeah. be embarrassed by something that I share or, or, or nobody's going to agree with it or um, I'm going to get some negative feedback from somebody and it's going to be uncomfortable or I'm going to ruin the meeting. And, like, I have all these imaginary evils that go along with um, – with, with my psyche prior to sharing, but, um, I get this fucking burning feeling inside of me. Right. And so simultaneously, why all these thoughts are going on over here on this side, there's this message that needs to be shared. Wow. You know, this, you know, like I'm hitting on the same points that, that the topic is on. And I can, I can relate that to a personal experience, regardless of what the topic is. I can share on almost any topic that's thrown at me or, or being discussed in the meeting. And I can usually bring it back around to a spiritual principle that I've experienced in my own life. And so that feeling inside of me grows and grows and it's, it's as uncomfortable to not share as it is to share. Mm. And so I found that, um, by sharing it and making myself available in a meeting to share, uh, it's beneficial. And at the end of the day, I'm sober. Yeah. Has that gotten any easier over time? Uh, sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, what has gotten, has completely changed over the last, well, prior to COVID, it was starting to change and I, I haven't paid enough attention to it now that it stopped. Uh, f- from like year, from like day one, to like year seven or eight in sobriety, every meeting I went to, on my way to the meeting, I would tell myself, you're, you're not going to fucking share this meeting. Don't share. Just go there and listen. Really? You're just going to listen. Every yeah. fucking meeting that I went to, <laughs> you're just going to listen. Just so funny because you always share. And I always fucking <laughs> share. <laughs> just go to listen. And now, now I don't listen. Like, I think that voice has given up inside of me. Because do you think that that voice, like, where did that voice come from? Because I think I, I experienced the same thing, but the voice that's telling me just to quote unquote, listen, isn't because I'm trying to express some sort of form of humility or be humble. It's because I'm afraid. Yeah, for sure. It's the fear you're talking about. Like. It's not like, oh, I need to shut up and listen today. It's no, don't share because what if you say something stupid in the form of I need to shut up and listen today? Yeah, yeah. Know, you so. just need to be, no, do, do, do. right. Yeah. Well, when when a newcomer or an old timer comes up to you a week later or two weeks later and goes, hey, you said something at the meeting last Thursday that really resonated with me. And this is what I got out of it. And I wanted to thank you for that. There's no fucking amount of, uh, ill, like there's, there's no amount of power that the disease has over my spirituality that can take that away from me. Like I feel that Mm -hmm. every time. Mm -hmm. And so that's more real than the lie that I'm trying to convince myself that I have nothing to share. Yeah. Gosh, it's amazing though. Like as you're sitting here saying it, like I'm, I'm thinking back to an experience of my own recently where somebody you know, came up to me after the meeting and, and told me like, Oh man, you're on fire today. You're on fire. 
And I'm always just so fucking quick to go. He's just being nice. <laughs> yeah, because they went out of their way to come be nice to yeah, you. Yeah, that's what I mean. But yeah. that, I mean, and, and again, first thought wrong. Yeah. Right? Like, like I have to remember, like, oh, of course, I just think he's being nice. Yeah. Like, I'm an alcoholic. Like, that's just the way I think, you yeah. know. And then stop and then take a breath and go, wow, that's actually really cool. You know, and, and cool for that dude to take the time to come over and express it to me, you know, like, and, and, uh, and I think that there's so much we get out of making ourselves available to those conversations, giving back and being open to receive that feedback in a way that not only benefits us, but benefits the person that's, that's telling us, you know, Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, not. I think this is a great topic um, because it's not always in my first mode of operation. Right. It is not my MO, um, but it is absolutely necessary and has become a vital part of my recovery. Yeah. It's just me, like, being willing to, to, to help others. Um, by making myself available. Yeah. And to be, to be vulnerable, right? Yeah. And to make myself vulnerable. Yeah. That's the other thing. I appreciate you saying that because like, it's not enough sometimes for me to like make myself available and then just be there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've got to be open. I've got to have conversations. I think one of the things that I was really hesitant towards when I first started getting into like a sponsee sponsor relationship was like sharing my struggles with my sponsee. Yeah. Like I don't, your human alcoholic struggles. Yeah. Like I, like this person's looking up to me. This person wants what I have. I better make what I have look really, really good. Well, we, we, I, I do that on with the show. Like, right. Like I want to, I, I never want to come on here and be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I want to seem, I hope I don't seem fucking without air. Well, I, like five weeks ago, you literally started the show with I'm a mess. Yeah. Well, that's that's uh, hopefully that's the point. It's <laughs> fuck, because I get what you're saying. Right. Like, like I want to be that rock. Uh, but transparency helps the yeah. realness of oh. all that. Right. And and I think it's great that you bring that up, because speaking of transparency, like you at the, when we started shooting today, you came in and you're like, OK, everybody, just so you know. Here I go again. <laughs> right? Right. It, what was that about? Like you're making yourself available for us to watch your journey further. Mm-hmm. Right? You're right. May, opening yourself up and, and going, okay, I'm ready to go to another level. Yeah. And I've got I've to be open about it and be vulnerable about it and because I'm not going to make any progress if I don't. Right. Like a knots forward or backwards that's it man that's it like there is no fucking stagnate yeah. for a second just kind of teeter and then start rolling yeah back exactly I might get one or two days where where I'm you know I'm I'm in this weird middle ground but man like it is either forward or backward yeah and and fuck forward might be harder but it the payoff is so much better yeah it's so much worth it yeah well, so. I appreciate you always making yourself available for me as much as you possibly can, because I know that you you definitely make yourself available as much as you possibly can. Well, so do you. 
Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair. I think that's fair. And you know who else makes themselves available, obviously. And uh, I actually got Will's War Store. I, 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 I was, uh, it's funny, I was reading articles on Google and I read a recovery art article on Google and it was this guy. And, and I was moved by his story. And so I reached out uh, the best that I could. And he talks about the place that he works. And so I reached out to the place that he works via email to see if I could get in contact with him. And I'll be goddamn if it didn't work. Wow. It worked. Yeah. You know, we got in contact with each other. And uh, he was gracious enough to, to share his story, you know. So Will, who has done nothing but since getting sober made himself available to other addicts and alcoholics that's all he's about yeah i would say so and like sort of all he's ever really wanted to do yeah um which is just so admirable and his story was way cool um and i mean i i use that in the past tense but it's not over you know no, like he's, by no means. he's uh he's he's got a lot a lot of road ahead of him um, and uh, a lot of really great things to come. For sure. So I'm excited. So what do you say? Yeah. Let's, let's let the people hear it. Without further ado, here is Will's War Story. So my name is uh, Will Perez and um, I'm a recovering addict. Uh, I started... Um, using opioid drugs, uh, heroin in the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, my story is kind of impressive because uh, um, like any normal uh, teenager, you know, I, I, I grew up in New York City. I played basketball most of my life. Uh, Puerto Rican parents uh, moved to Puerto Rico in the early 80s. Um, you know, had, had a good family, a little dysfunctional you know, my dad uh, was an alcoholic and, uh, you know, he worked and we had the love there. And my mom was uh, one of those strong Puerto Rican women. Um, and so I, I, I'm from three, from four brothers. I'm the middle guy. I got an older brother, a younger brother and a sister. We all play sports. And so uh, we were involved in sports at an early age in New York. And then we tried for the Puerto Rico. We kept playing sports. My brother played baseball. He got scouted by the Mets in the early uh, 80s and uh, spent seven years in the minors. I went on to play basketball in Puerto Rico, played all the leagues that you can play in Puerto Rico, um, and also uh, graduated from high school and went to college, university, and so I did very well. Um, going into my 20s, you know, like everybody else, I smoked weed, um, marijuana. I started experimenting with cocaine, but I always kept the control, you know, uh, I loved uh, the sports a lot. And so one thing I've discovered, you know, at this age now that um, using drugs is very progressive. Um, you know, it, some people say I can do it for a little while and stop or whatever. So I was kind of like on that note at an early age, but as time went by, it, it started progressing. Um, Soon I found myself in my 20s. Uh, and so I remember going back, leaving Puerto Rico, going back to New York City, um, you know, throughout the 80s when the crack cocaine came out in the city. Uh, I was there for that, 82, um, you know, experimenting with the crack cocaine. Um, 
And that was that was a journey, you know, because uh, that was kind of like what was in in the 80s in New York. And until this, this drug uh, proved everybody wrong that it's really a crazy drug. Um, and so that didn't go very well in my life. Uh, just, you know, hooked on crack cocaine for a while and uh, experimenting with that. Uh, decided to uh, try to get cleaned up, you know, in the mid 80s, still out there. And um, I remember my mom going to New York and picking me up and taking me back to Puerto Rico. And I stood out there for a couple of years. In Puerto Rico, in the town that I come from, it's a, it's a town, it's like 15 minutes away from San Juan in this town. It's very, there's a lot of drugs in this town. It's a lot of drugs. Um, and so it's a town that it's hard to really stay away from associates or friends that are not using. If they're not using, they're either drinking alcohol. So it's, it's very hard uh, to find um, a couple of group of friends that you can really stay sober or that weren't using. So um, at that age, you know, I was full of energy, curious. And so little by little, I, I started like using cocaine again and smoking marijuana. And I kind of like always stood away from the from the heroin. Uh, after the 80s, 90s, you know, I, I came back to, uh, I came to Buffalo in 92, in 97. I remember that. And uh, in the early 2000s, I started uh, experimenting with, with heroin. And this is, this was the turning point in my life because um, heroin is, it's a different, it's a different level of life, you know, for, for the addict. Uh, it takes you to a level that um, you lose everything. I lost everything. You know, I lost my self-esteem. I lost uh, my family for a little while there. And, um, I, lost, I lost a lot of good people in my life, people that loved me. Um, I just couldn't stop. And uh, I remember I was thinking just before doing this segment here with you, um, how I started with the heroin. I remember sharing, sharing a bag uh, here in Massachusetts in one of the cities here close to, to where I'm at uh, with a female that that particular day, uh, wanted to, that particular night wanted to get high. I used to snort it, she used to shoot it. And so we went half on a bag and I ended up having to shoot it for the first time and I didn't want to do that. And I ended up doing it and wow, what a big mistake because that took me to another level um, in my life because I, I ended up liking it at the time. So, and when I say progressive, that, that was the beginning of a, of a long journey for me because it lasted almost 17 years uh, of me being addicted to, to heroin. Um, you know, I call it the monster when the monster gets on your back. And, and so you try to overcome this and, and there's no way uh, dealing with the sickness, dealing with the everyday hustle of trying to get that next fix. Uh, just being out there, um, not caring about your family, not being able to hold the job down, uh, doing whatever you have to do to try to get that money to get that next fix. So, you know, it took me to a lot of, you know, very, dramatic moments in my life. Uh, you know, it took me to jail. It took me to many arrests and uh, many things that I didn't want to do, stealing, um, just doing whatever I had to do to, to get it. So 
Um, when I say that you lose your self-esteem, that's what I really mean. Your self-esteem goes down the drain. Um, we kind of like just don't care about anything. Um, we kind of like just live for this drug. So um, like I said, 17 years addicted to, to heroin. Um, when heroin was heroin, not the fentanyl that's out now, but when heroin was heroin. And um, I don't know, uh, I come from a good family. My family uh, has Christian backgrounds or whatever. And I always tried to reach out to my higher power to try to get right with this and try to break that cycle. And in the early 2000s, um, here in Massachusetts, you know, I just kept getting in trouble and in trouble and I would stay clean for a little while and get in trouble again and, and keep using and keep using. I tried to go to school. I always wanted to become a recovery coach. I tried to go to school. Um, here in Lynn, I, I signed up in North Shore Community College in 2013 and in 2017. In both of those years, uh, I could not start school because of my addiction. I couldn't put the drugs down. And that was a sad situation for me because I would brag around to everybody. I'm going to school. I'm going to get it together, this and that. And I just couldn't do it. There's no way I was telling a friend of mine, I think it was yesterday or today um, that I counsel. I was telling him, listen, there's no way you're going to make it in life if you don't put the drugs down. There's no way you can work. There's no way you can hold it down in your, with an apartment. There's no way you can hold it down with your family. You can't give love to your loved ones. There's no way because you know, if you don't put the drugs down, I mean, that's what you live for, for just, just the drugs. So that happened to me. Um, I lived that. It's a very sad situation. You know, uh, I lost a lot of weight. I was, my body was deteriorating uh, three years ago. I was doing really bad. And so uh, when I say that God works in mysterious ways, you know, I got arrested uh, two years ago. Um, and that's in my story. You know, I ended up being getting up really sick and, 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 and remember I woke up with some crack cocaine from the prior night. Uh, and I went downstairs and tried to make a sell to someone to try to get money to, to buy heroin. And, um, I ended up selling to two undercover cops here in, 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 in the city of Lynn. So, and that really changed my life because this was the turning point. You know, I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I, I just, I said, I'm going to jail. You know, I'm too old for this shit. You know, I'm going to jail. Uh, I don't want to lose my apartment. Uh, you know, my loved ones are going to be mad at me again. You know, just a whole, a whole scenario. And by the grace of God, you know, I just, still to this day, you know, I, I don't understand what happened, but something good happened. You know, my son popped up, he bailed me out. Um, I was on probation at the time and that probation got extended. I didn't get violated. Uh, and one thing led to the other, but not bad things, but kind of like a sequence of sort of, you know, good things, you know, in a way. Uh, but I wasn't going to jail. That's the whole thing. So anyways, I was offered to participate in a community corrections program here in Lynn, which is a great program. And this is for offenders uh, that are drug users. And, you know, I would say 80% of the people here in Massachusetts uh, are offered that use drugs and have drug, drug offending uh, cases are offered this program instead of jail. And so 
from what the sadistic say, 50% of them uh, reoffend, but the other half go on and continue to do good. So um, I was one of those that I entered this program here in Lynn, and, uh, you know, I just got it together. I just got it together. Um, went in with a positive attitude because I didn't want to go to jail. I didn't want to lose my apartment. So this is the thing about, and, and you know, and I'm grateful for these people giving me the chance because sometimes that's all we need in life. We need a chance. You know, and there's a lot of people that are not willing to give the addict a chance out there. And sometimes the addict just needs a chance to, to make it. You know what I mean? So I was given that chance and I didn't lose my apartment. Uh, by the grace of God, I finished the program. This program offers uh, counseling. This program offers uh, uh, groups, uh, you know, seven days a week. You have to call in for your color code. You have to uh, do community uh, service. Uh, you know, with, with the pandemic coming out, we didn't have to do community service, but we, we did the groups virtually through uh, Zoom. And so one thing led to the other. I, I kept participating. I kept doing the right thing, you know, clicking with the, with the clinicians, just being involved, speaking up, not staying shut, um, getting involved in all and everything that community corrections had to offer. And so they have a clinician who also is a job developer. She, she's constantly offering jobs to all the participants of this programs, like construction jobs, um, you know, career jobs. Uh, North Shore Community College goes there also and does workshops and offers courses that you may want to take or whatever. So this program not only gives you structure, it, it offers opportunities for the participants. And, and, and I embrace that. You know, I was able to, to, uh, to see the recovery coach program, which I, 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 I always wanted to become a recovery coach. I always wanted to work uh, helping other addicts, but I, I, I wanted to get clean myself and do, and do good myself first. And so this was my chance, and that's what I did. And by the grace of God, uh, I was there 18 months. I finished it up. I was able to go to school through North Shore Community College virtually uh, for about five or six months um, and do this uh, recovery coach course and get my both cert certification. There's two certifications, part one and part two. And I was able to do that. And wow, it was mind-blowing. I loved it. Um, and I started seeing myself rehabilitating myself within this program um, and giving myself some structure. And, you know, everybody there was content. I started, I, I, I went from just being a regular participant in the program to, to becoming a role model for some of the guys that were there, um, not being cocky, just being humble. Like I always try to keep it humble. Um, and on the contrary, helping whoever needed help within the program. So we kind of like bonded. A lot of us bonded there. I seen guys go and come because everybody does different sentences there. But, um, and so mine was 18 months, but like I said, uh, I flew by this 18 months and it went, well, it went well. I was able to graduate. Um, everybody that's content and very happy with me. Um, and like, like I've said before in my other story, uh, you know, I'm very grateful to Community Corrections for giving me this opportunity. So when I say that getting arrested this last time was a blessing, I think it was. 
it was a blessing because sometimes we don't see the bigger picture, but now I'm able to see the bigger picture. Now I'm clean. I've been clean for two years. Um, I work for Lynn Community Health Center in the city of Lynn, Massachusetts uh, Health Center. And, and so as a recovery coach, and I help addicts and alcoholics on a daily basis, you know, whether it be counseling them, you know, daily or once a week or twice a week, we go to, I take them to AA meetings, NA meetings, which I participate from them myself and I benefit from them myself. Um, I'm able to help whoever reaches out to me for detoxes and uh, TCS programs, um, you know, to stay clean and sober. So, uh, wow, uh, you know, like I say, the sky's the limit in, in terms of wanting to make it in life and, you know, wanting to get clean and sober. And not only that, uh, being able to give back to the community, which I so much love. I have a lot of friends here in Lynn that I know who are addicts. And, and now I have the opportunity to work with a lot of them on a daily basis here in the city uh, where, where I ran the streets and did use drugs, you know, use heroin. So, so uh, I'm very grateful uh, for that, for community corrections. And also I can't leave out my church because, you know, uh, and then they, we talk about the big book and we talk about a spiritual awakening and we talk about, you know, my mind coming, being restored by, by a higher power. And so I'm very spiritual. I believe in, in, in God almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ. So, and that, and that brought me back to, uh, to sanity. And so I've been by the grace of God, uh, congregating at my church for two years. Also, I can't leave that out. That's very important. And that's sort of like the foundation of my recovery right now. You know, I, I congregate three times a week. My pastor is a great guy. He's ex he's in recovery himself. Uh, he was out there, you know, he, he, he has a story too. He was saved by the grace of God. Um, he's been pastoring for 25 years, almost 30 years. Great guy. Um, wow. And so there we are fighting the battle in that church too. Um, you know, three times a week, uh, you know, Wednesdays, Fridays and Sunday, which is the big service, just, uh, preaching the, the word of God and, 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 you know, and just doing the right thing, doing the right thing, just being a, a normal human being, giving out love to others, uh, you know, being humble and, uh, and, you know, and cherishing the word of, of, of God almighty. So I always say with, with community corrections and my church, this, my spiritual life, um, that's what, what's been holding me down in 2021 going forward, uh, for these past almost three years. Um, and I've been blessed. I've been blessed. I got, I got my car back. I have a car now. Uh, you know, I, I drive a Toyota Camry 20, 2012, nice little car. I got a job, good job, career job. I got my license back. I got my family back. My, my daughters love me. My son loves me. My, you know, I'm doing very well. All my family's very happy, uh, where I'm at right now. I got my weight back. Um, I, I just, you know, I feel so, so grateful and so humble. And that's why I do these, uh, these sessions because I want, you know, the people that know me out there to, to understand that 
it's possible. It's possible to get cleaned up. It's possible to uh, to make it in life. You know, you just got to give yourself a chance. Um, like I always say, there's programs, lots of programs, and lots of people who are willing to give you that help that, that you so much seek. And so, um, yeah, that's 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 basically my story. And 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 going and going forward, um, I start school now in September for drug and alcohol. Uh, counseling. I'm going for my associates slowly, but I'm doing it, you know, two classes here, three classes. So, but the thing is to keep going forward and because I want to, I want to just keep going in this, in this field, in this area. Um, like I say, the sky's the limit. And so that's what I want to do now. I, 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 I finally made up my mind. I want to work hard as, as a recovery coach, as a person, that's going to advocate in, in, in the community uh, for the addicts and the alcoholics and, and, and um, you know, let them know the message that there is hope at the end of the tunnel. Um, and, you know, if you give yourself a chance that you can make it in life, you give yourself a chance, you can make it. It doesn't have to end on a, on a, on a sad uh, chapter. Um, I'm, I'm a pure example of that. And so, that's why constantly I want to share my story and let my story be heard. Um, so uh, I think I'm all set. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna close with this. I'm gonna close with this. Um, I, I mean, I'm so happy uh, that 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 things are going the way they are, and um, sometimes I just don't believe in myself. I really don't. But um, I mean. Like I said, I, I see the bigger picture now, and, and this is just the beginning. Uh, there's a lot of work to do. Um, in my job, we had a meeting today, uh, a lot of the recovery coaches and my supervisor. And so we have a lot of plans of a lot of work. We want to do outreach work. We're going to do in the community, um, you know, uh, to show the people out there that, uh, that there's hope. There really is hope. We just got to, and we have to help them, you know what I mean? Uh, the ones that step up to the plate and, and, and been there and have that lived experience are, are the best ones that can help uh, the other person. So that's basically what we want to do. Um, and, and that's the message that we're sending out there to everyone right now. Give yourself a chance. You'll make it. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, give a, yourself a chance. It's a good message, man. It's, sure. it's hard. Yeah. To, those early days, especially, uh, you know, I mean, he shared yeah, I, I, going from snorting it to shooting it lasted 17 years, you know, and to give yourself a chance after, you know, that kind of defeat. Like, like he said, it takes everything away from you. you yeah. Know? And, and to believe that you can come back from that, give yourself a chance. That's a deep line that that you really need to uh, consider. Like, like, yes, give yourself a chance. You know, it can be done. It can be done. Thanks, and, Will. And I think Will has a great story of hope. Yeah. And, and yeah, I, I can't thank you enough, Will. One thing that I really liked about his, star, his story is you can hear, and I feel like I felt it when he talked about moving from whatever it was to heroin. Mm -hmm. And I say, like, whatever it was to heroin because... As soon as he got heroin, it was like, fucking, that was the next level. Yeah. And it was like, that's how opiates were for me. I, I'm thankful every day I didn't 
I didn't take it to heroin. It could have easily gone that it way. It was close. It was very, very close. And, um, and I'm, I'm super grateful for that, but same thing applied, right? Like just dude, I had no idea it could be this good slash bad, you know, like I, all of a sudden everything was an issue and it it sounds like it was the same thing for him. Like, I mean, things were kind of already on their way there, but then that just fucking boom, skyrocketed everything. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy for a long time, you know, doing crack in the eighties, you know, in New York. Yeah. Like we're the epidemic, you know, where, where it was all happening. Yeah. And then Puerto Rico and, and, you know, just the progression of it is so apparent in his mm-hmm. life. And I'm, I'm grateful. And I love, I love hearing his joy in his life today. You know, he's very happy to be where he's at. Um, and it's, it's funny how we'll get to a point where, you know, we're, we're willing to sell to people that, uh, like I don't know how obvious that was that guy was a cop, but I imagine uh, for me, um, the only way that I would sell to a cop is if I sold to somebody I didn't really know, mm-hmm. or they were, right. or somebody I knew was wearing a wire. And but <laughs> we put we put ourselves into these dangerous situations in order to maintain that. And um, luckily for him, and like you said, that was a blessing. You know, and I can relate. Like my my arrest, my last arrest. I think probably every arrest was probably some type of blessing. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's all a part of our story, right? Like, and that's the thing is, I I feel like it. It's a testament to the work that he's done and just where he's at spiritually for him to be able to look at that as a blessing and and. I think that that's, that's the, the point that we all hope for is that we're able to get to that, that part of our story where we can look back and, and again, like, you know, not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. We can see all that stuff as defining and shaping who we are as individuals in such a way that we are people to be looked up to. We are... people that can be depended on. We are people who um, can look other people in the eye today, you know? And, uh, and I always think it's crazy in my mind, just what drugs did for me. You know, like um, I can see the beautiful life that I have today and the beautiful relationships that I've been able to establish with you and some like Jordan a little bit. And maybe Ryland, I guess, (laughs) but just, you know, like I wouldn't have this life if it weren't for where drugs took me. And I love my life and I love the relationships that I have with, with the people in it. Yeah. Including Jordan. It turns out that, that all the things that, uh, I thought were the worst things in my life turned out to be the best things in my life. And, you know, um, you know, with Will, he mentions, you know, his church and his higher power, and he has that connection with God, and, and he's grateful to be in that place. His family trusts him. You know, he, it's almost like he could play a country song backwards. You've heard that joke because he, he goes through and he said, you know, I got my license back. I got my family back. Mm-hmm. I kept my apartment. You know, I got my life back. Yeah. And, and 
I love that he went through all that and then did nothing but make himself available to help other people. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that's, that's why we got the topic we did out of his story. And if he wouldn't have made himself available to the, um, to the article that was written on him, I, we wouldn't have found him, you know, so well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for, for this topic and this discussion. I needed it today. Yeah, me too. For sure. Thanks a lot, dude. It's a good reminder. It's a good reminder that we're generally doing better than we may feel that, uh, we are worth the work, Mm. you know, as Cameron always says that, that this process, uh, may not always look like we think it, it, it's going to work, look, but it has always turned out better than I could have imagined. Right. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Always. So Mm -hmm. yeah. Good deal, man. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for making yourselves available, men back there. Jordan, Rylan. We'll give Mitch a shout out too, even though he's not here. Yeah, Mitch. Thanks, uh, Mitch. For doing our socials. Thanks, Cameron. Thanks, Willie. I think with that, we will wrap it out. Wrap Remember, it up and wrap it out. Sorry, I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Here Anyways, we go. I'm, just, I'm just trying to apologize. I forgive you. I forgive you. Okay. We'll see you on the other side. You are worth the work. Don't forget. The Other Side of Hell is a do-it-yourself podcast. For more information, recovery resources, and contact info, check out our website at theothersideofhellpodcast.com. You can help us spread our message by liking and subscribing, giving us a follow, or a five-star rating.